Hello and welcome to the Ramblings of a Saint podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Lou. You can find me on Twitter at RamblingSaint7 and also my personal Twitter at JohnLou13. This is the podcast where we talk about everything rugby league from St. Helens all the way to Sydney. Yep, this is worldwide now. Since some of my Australian listeners are here, so shout out to you guys. But let's go straight into the action with Rugby League. And this weekend of fixtures was absolutely incredible. We had upsets. The world champion St. Helens with over 12 players out of the first team squad beats the 2023 eight games in a row champions Warrington Wolves 28 points to six. And what a game that was. This was, I'll do a bit more into that in a second, but. This game was it, it, it was like Saints were back. And also, on the same day, earlier on, the Penrith Panthers, the reigning champions of the NRL, got beat by the South Sydney Rabbits, who have just today confirmed the signing of Jack Whiten. And you know what? It's a solid signing. It's a solid signing for them. I can see him playing more of a centre role um, with Campbell Graham on the other side uh, and I feel like that will be his position for them as well next for the next three seasons he had to move from Canberra if he wanted a championship uh, a premiership sorry he's he's a player now that's getting towards the end of his career I mean I, I tell you that I think he's only 28 but uh, 29 um, so you don't really want to be going into your twilight years of your career being such a good player in the NRL and not winning that premiership. Uh, we also had the shock result of Hull FC getting the first victory in a while. Honestly, I didn't see that coming. Did not see that at all. Um, and the Dolphins on the other side of the world came back from a 26-point deficit to equal the biggest comeback in the NRL history of t- to win 28-26. With Robert Jennings doing a great impression absolute great impression of a man who's been shot because he didn't want to get up and score a dead cert try um, it was good to hear some of the players, I think it was Nick Arima after the game uh, having a joke and a laugh about it in the end um, and saying you know, it's just a good job they didn't end up losing that game by a couple of points because I would have hated to have been Robert Jennings then and yeah so Let's go back to where we start. Let's start on a good point. I'm going to go back to the good, bad and ugly side for this podcast as well. Because, you know, it's been missing for a couple of weeks. So let's go to that good and let's go and start off in sunny St. Helens. My team. And you know what? You can say, oh, it's biased. This was a phenomenal, phenomenal performance. I know Warrington were missing a fair few in the forward pack, but I had us absolutely wrote off. Absolutely wrote off. I backed Warrington by 10 on my predictor, um, especially after the few weeks beforehand. And I was in work on 2.10. I was in shock when I got told the half-time score. And then I went on my brew. And then I caught a second half that I seen a line speed that I hadn't seen since the World Cup Challenge. Um, it's not the 
to the World Cup Challenge extent, absolutely not. Um, but in comparison to the past few weeks, it was up there. Um, it was back up. We were we were fighting to be in that attacking line um, with our defence. We was in amongst them. Uh, it was the first time we saw actual pace and depth in the attack. Probably, probably since the Wolf days, um, the depth in attack has been lacking so much this year. You're seeing it. The the perfect example for the depth was for Benison's try. Um, it was a lovely little dummy, and I had Matt Dufty on a plate. And I know a few of my Australian listeners will love hearing them words. And as a Saints fan, when he did that interview in 2021 when Saints offered him a 12-month contract saying that he thinks he's he'd be disrespecting himself if he took the move to Super League. He um, he basically said it was a second-rate competition and that he believes he's better than that. To see him being done in by a 20-year-old full-back come winger was absolutely beautiful. It was... Oh, it was... I can't, I, I can't put it into words. It was f- unbelievable, mate, to see Matt Dufty, the wannabe state of origin, the man who believes he should be representing Australia, being absolutely done in in Super League by the club he took the mickey out of by saying he's too good for them with a team that has not won a title for over 60-odd years is... That's it. Little French kiss. French chef kiss. Little bit of that. It was superb. And then, obviously, we had T. Ritson captivating a brilliant individual performance. You know, he's he's my tie, as I keep saying him, saying about him because he has got blistering pace. And the more you talk about his pace, the faster he becomes, if that makes sense. Matty Ashton got a pass out wide, and he he normally, 9 times out of 10, probably 99 times out of 100, if he's against any other winger, he's gone and he's up the other end of the field and he scored. T. Ritson turned round, and before he'd even turned, he was he was on him. It was brilliant burst of acceleration, tackled him, put him in touch. And for all his critics, and uh, I've been one of them for defensively because it's a massive step up from Championship Super League. St. Ellen's have coached him beautifully by the looks of it. His defensive reads were really, really good. He shot out of the line when Hurrell came up and put a shot on that ended up causing a knock-on, and I think it was Ben Curry, but I might be wrong on that one. Um, oh, no, it was Ratchford. Um, shot out and, and made made a foot, well, forced an error, and it was really... It's great to see a player that wasn't born in this country, brought up in England, he was born in Thailand, to see someone from Thai origin, who I believe is the first player to ever play top flight rugby league from Thailand um, it's 
I, I can't praise the lad enough and the fact that he's only on a season long loan, the fact that he's our fourth choice winger if we've got a fully fit squad is mental. Absolutely mental. It's I think any club in Super League now, after that seeing Ritson and the way he's been coached and the way he's learning and developing, I think any team in Super League will be happy to have him and I'm just glad we are. I hope he gets more first team action over the coming weeks and obviously we've got a couple of weeks off before Catalan I'd quite like to see him play against Catalan but you know who knows and big shout out to Johnny Lomax he just keeps keeps producing he's 30 is he 32 or 33 he's 33 this year so it's he just keeps producing. He just keeps doing it and keeps doing it and keeps. I'm, I, I think we're we're losing words to say about him. Um, year on year, the fact that he's never won a Man of Steel is is bonkers. But then again, neither did Danny Maguire. So it kind of puts things into perspective, and that little step for his try. Oh my God. I just can't stop praising this team and the the fact that we had so many first teamers. We had mo- majority of our first choice pack sideline through injury suspension. We had Tommy Makinson pulling out last minute. We had Mark Percival, who's unfortunately done his hamstring again. Um, it's looking like he might be out for a good few weeks. It's it's yet again it shows the character of this team and the fact that this team is the pinnacle of rugby league in this country we are the world champions and also four in a row history makers it it it's just we are the team to beat we are the team to beat it doesn't matter whether we're we look down and out, we can put on performances like that and I think this will be the kickstart that we need for this season. Um, and yeah, seeing that depth and attack was, was beautiful but for me, my the thing I was most proud about was seeing line speed again and hopefully they keep that up now for the rest of the season and we go on and Joe Batchelor made his return and it's no coincidence, is it? Let's face it, that our line speed up because he was vital to us. And I'm going to go on with another good point. Um, the other good point was Hull FC. I mentioned them bef- before beating Huddersfield. That I didn't know where that victory came from. Um, going off a few of my Hull FC mates, they went Jake Clifford. So uh, he must have been the magician for them. Um, and yeah, honestly, full praise to Hull FC. You know, they've created a six-point gap now between them and Wakefield. I think that's pretty much confirmed Wakefield's relegation this early in the season. Um, they are a team that I really can't see improving. Um, Hull FC had have the players to do that. I don't think Wakefield do. Um, I think they've got too many players coming over here for a holiday, like Kevin Proctor. Um, the fact that Wakefield have kind of given them a week off is... I get that they need a mental refresh, a lot of the players, but surely, rather than going off you go for a bit of family time, surely the club could have put on like team bonding because that looks like a team that isn't isn't connected together. 
Um, it looks like a team that's playing on different wavelengths, or if even if they have any wavelengths, I don't know if they have. Um, Mason Lino seems to pull the strings for them, and he he's one player that will have a Super League contract next year. Um, I could see a team like Wigan going for him. Um, so that that's somewhere I could see him go. Or maybe Leeds at a push, but I think Leeds are really, really trying to get Luke Brooks. Which is hilarious, because I think Luke Brooks will be an absolutely outstanding number six. Um, but I've got a feeling Leeds will be having him at number seven, being that organiser role. Which if they are, they are goose next season. Um, if they do sign him up, which the, all the rumours are, you know, it sounds like it's signed, sealed, delivered, so who knows? Who knows at all? Luke Brooks could be making an appearance over here and he might actually win a game. You know, it's been over a year since he last did. So maybe, just maybe, he might get a victory. Now we go on to our bad. And I think there's only one real talking point that we can go on about bad. And that's this international friendly fixture. England and France. You know, it's good on paper. It works on paper. But what what time is it kicking off? What TV channel is it on? You know, I haven't seen much advertised of you. Not over here. Um, I genuinely couldn't tell you what time it kicks off. I genuinely couldn't tell you what TV station it's on. I couldn't even tell you really the teams, to be honest. Um, at all. Really. Um, not much interest in it. Because I haven't seen much advertised. And why is that? Why is it that whenever there's international friendlies in rugby union, it's all over us, it's forced down our throats? Whenever there's a big tournament on at the end of the year, it's forced down your throats, it's it's on your eyes everywhere. Six nations, six nations, six nations, World Cup, World Cup, World Cup, six nations, six nations, six nations. Oh, look at this, it's the British and Irish Lions versus Australia. Oh, look at it, it's against the Wallabies, it's against... Um, the spring box it's against the all blacks and yet in rugby league we can't do anything like that we can't get any momentum we can't even even get something sorted for october this france fixture has been doomed from the start let's face it we've got a european championships great that is now going to be the team itself is going to be England, but it's not. It's going to be young lads, very much like this one. Um, and I'm just lost for words with them. I'm lost for words with the RFL, the International Rugby, whatever they're called. Is it IRPA now? It's just mind-boggling how it keeps happening year on year. The international game should be the pinnacle of our sport. The international game should be the flagship to get new fans involved. And it's just like we don't give a shit. And I see, I hear podcasters going, oh, well, it's easy for Australia, New Zealand and that to do it. You know, they've got great nations around them. 
We've got developing nations, right? And what do developing nations need? They need to play games. What do they need to do to improve? Oh, oh, oh no, there's going to be blowout scores. We can't do that. The only way you improve is by playing games. The only way you improve upon that is by playing harder opponents. The only way you improve again is by playing in big tournaments against the better teams. So, how do we solve the issue of the fact that this England-France game has been shambles with half, well, 90% of the first teams pulled out? Um, Saints pulled out seven of their eight members. One of them, well, no, one of them suspended. So we've actually technically only pulled out six. Three are through injury. Uh, four are through injury and two others just because why not? Leeds pulled out two players. Um, a few others did and basically we've sent out our youth teams, France and England youth. How do you solve it? How do you now build a better international mid-season calendar for next year? First of all, you sort out your October calendar two years in advance. So right now, we should already know what fixtures are going on next October as well as this October. We should do. 2024 should already have been locked in because 2025 is the big World Cup year in France. Simple. That simple. We have to plan in advance. Not only that, you have to sign them up. You have to have it concrete. I would also bring in the bigger teams having to do World Cup qualifiers. Hear me out. I know what you're thinking. Well, so they'll win anyway. This France game is a friendly. There's no jeopardy. No one gives a shit. Simple as. The French don't. We don't. Because the French clubs care about keeping their players. The English clubs care about keeping their players fit. So it's going to be the same in Australia with it. So why don't we bring back World Cup qualifiers where the big teams have to compete. So you throw England in the European ones. To be honest, I'd get rid of England, Scotland, Ireland and Wales and group them together and have the British and Irish Lions only because it will free up World Cup spots for other developing nations so right there you look at that this year we had all four Celtic nations in why don't we we had all three Celtic nations England as well why don't we just group all them together and give three more places to Europe or maybe one to the Americas again one to Asia so, you know, they get another spot and then one more to Europe. Why not? Why not give them developing nations chances? And also, by you having to play qualifiers, you're not only play, allowing other teams to play against better opposition, it gives us a sense of jeopardy. It puts pride in the jersey as well. Um, it means that players will go, hang on, we actually need to win this game, otherwise we're not going to be playing at the World Cup, we're not going to be playing in these big tournaments. That will then put that in the heads of our players. Not only that, over in the Pacific, that will seriously put doubts in the likes of the Australian representatives' minds, the Kiwi representatives, the Tongans. They'll be like, right, okay, actually, we really want to go, and it will put the power to the players rather than the NRL. Um, the moment you give power to the players and International Rugby League is the moment our sport can grow on the whole as a as a worldwide spectacle. Um, 
the worldwide public will not care about teams like St. Helens Wigan in comparison to the will of, say, England. They will not, um, mainly because the majority of our country doesn't come from them towns. You know, there's 150,000 people in St. Helens. Whole of Britain, 72 million plus. It's a lot of difference. Um, so that's where our future lies in terms of growing the sport. We need to put power in the players' hands. We need to add that jeopardy back into it. You can have it so, you know, um, England youth are good enough to probably say beat the likes of Spain, Greece, all that sort of stuff. Um, but the moment if you take things too easily granted, as in, you know, you throw out your young team against France and France put out a full strength team, that's when you're in trouble. Losing points, potentially. You then add that jeopardy and that gives the players the power. So that is where I think we grow the international game. I think we have to have three representative weeks where World Cup qualifiers take place. I will have a European Championship qualifiers as well. So, you know, you have to compete in them, otherwise you don't travel. You think that it's one of the highest growing sports in the um, Balkan area. So the likes of Bulgaria, Czech Republic... Um, you know, all, all around them, Slovakia, Slovenia, Serbia, especially, it's a highly growing sport, it's on national television in Bulgaria, you know what I mean, so like, we have to kind of, we have to kind of help them areas as well, and by adding these World Cup qualifiers, and European Cup qualifiers, you can do that, have a set international calendar like football every four years it's the world cup every alternate two so say we have it in 2023 this year the european championships in 2027 2031 2035 and then the world cups vice versa 2025 2029 2033 so you, you have to do that and they should be our standouts they should be our set ones that always happen and then vice versa in the pacific when it's our european championships they have a specific pacific nations one or a pacific trophy to call it that and then in the other years you have us playing other nations so you may have an ashes series which i think has to happen very very soon we have to utilize australia as our all blacks as marketing they are the best team in the world i think they've only lost something like 10 times in the history um, or something ridiculous in, in, in like competitive games or something ridiculous like that um, I think they've only lost 4 times since the 90s which is like mental when you think about it um, we have to utilise them as our main flagship um, main flagship sort of team representative team um, and that's the only solution we can ever have for these international games in mid-season and it's really that simple. You can't do a state of origin over here. Um, you can't. Lancashire, Yorkshire, it will not work. Simple as, because it's not like Australia. Queensland, New South Wales have massive populations. Not only that, is they are the main areas for rugby league, but not just them areas watch rugby league. In Australia, there's high, high percentages watching in Western Australia, 
in New Zealand as well that watch State of Origin. In Tasmania, not so much, but in the likes of Northern Territory, etc., they all watch State of Origin, they all pick it. A lot of them pick Queensland if they're in Northern Territory. A lot of the people in Adelaide and South Australia pick New South Wales. Also, you have, you know, um, the Queenslanders and New South Wales in them regions too. You cannot do that with Lancashire, Yorkshire. You cannot, it will not work because they are the only two real areas our sport is played. And the people who have the affiliation for New South Wales and Queensland... It won't happen like that over here because it's not personal to them. Whereas, you know, Queenslanders, New South Wales, people who watch it in Perth, you know, the Northern Territory, South Australia, the vast majority of them are from them regions. Now, it it wouldn't work in rugby league over here because of the viewing figures because of the amount of people that actually partake in our sport there's no feel good factor to Lancashire Yorkshire for them people who are neutrals who are from London and then you can't necessarily I heard on the Loose Forward podcast the yesterday's episode they was suggesting east and west and how that wouldn't work either because then you alienate the people it is from Lancashire and Yorkshire because we don't class ourselves as west. Us Lancastrians, the 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 Yorkshiremen won't class themselves as east. So there's no real solution to a state of origin type fixture. Um, and again, it's like, will the clubs hold the power because over here the clubs have held the power for the vast majority of the time it's no longer like in Australia it tends to be the NRL holding the power as to whether they're international fixtures over here it's the clubs as well as the fact that you know the international rugby league is incompetent as fuck and so are so are our RFL um, yeah there's no real actual solution you can give and my solution would be just bring back the bring bring back make the big teams compete in them world club world club qualifiers world cup qualifiers world club keep get see I've got saints on my mind still world club champions I've just bought the three star merch so all you uh, all of my Penrith listeners you know you could have had the one star merch but you know flapped it again sadly for you guys. <laughs> so yeah so that's really my only solution and also another bad point why the frigging hell have we got the England team doing a meet and greet in a frigging builders warehouse I know Selco support, support rugby league and sponsor England I know they're a multi-million pound firm they can crack on they can carry on sponsoring it but if you've got that much money or you know, at least maybe hire a hotel, or maybe even just the RFL go. Let's do our launch at a hotel, guys. I think, I think a building warehouse is not right. It's like Australia doing a meet and greet in Bunnings with a sausage sizzle. You know, it may be great for an ad campaign, but it's not great for a meet and greet where you're unveiling your squad 
Come on, guys. It's, it's more amateur stuff from the England game, from the England camp, from the RFL, from the International Rugby League. It's it's just massive errors and own goals. Like, these, these are basic stuff. You know, great, the sponsors. Well done. Who are you going to get meeting them? You're going to get builders. You're not going to get people going to the... To go... Tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go uh, take the kids to Bunning uh, to Bunnings, to Selco in Warrington, and uh, going to go meet the England players. And then when they're there, they go, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, I needed some flat top screwdrivers. Oh yeah, yeah, I'll buy them now." People aren't going to do that. They're going to go see the team and leave if they do turn up. They're not going to be purchasing stuff or. You're going to just get people who want to purchase stuff, then going, oh, the England team are here. Oh, I'll get a photo. It's it's mental. And I know your sponsors, but come on. Bit of leniency. Bit of bit of brains from the, uh, from the men in charge for once. And say, put your foot down. You know, you're a great sponsor, but we can't have it in a builder's warehouse. And when they say why, tell them. It's a stupid idea. It's unprofessional. We are the England national team. And the moment we take England national team seriously is the moment England rugby league in England grows. We don't take them seriously. No one does. Fans, the organisers. And if the organisers aren't taking them seriously, why the friggin' hell should we, the fans, do it? You know, all I know about this game is it's at the Halliwell Jones Stadium. I don't know kickoff time. I don't know any media outlet that's publishing it. It's, as I mentioned before, it's bonkers. You know, I know it's at the Halliwell Jones and I know it's costing a bomb to go. I think the women are playing beforehand. I'm going to assume they are. I think it's a double header. Because Jodie Cunningham was there at, at, uh, at Selco. So, you know, they must be. It's uh, it's just one thing after another over here. Why? Why? I ask why again. Because that's all there seems to be asking about the RFL. About the Rugby International friggin' whatever federation. They've, they've renamed the names, but he more than friggin' Super League has changed... Uh, changed bloody format. It's mad. Just pick... Simple things and simple suggestions and keep it simple. Rugby league is a simple sport. Played by simple working class people. So keep everything else simple. Keep the basics. Be professional. Market the game. Thank you. And then finally, (laughs) we're on to our ugly section. Now, this one might be actually very controversial. It might not be. Depends on your opinion. But my ugly... Anzac round. Yeah. That's my ugly. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I don't like the fact that it is used as a marketing tool. It's not used to promote... To promote... Anzac Day, it's not used to remember anyone that died it's used simply 
as a marketing tool for the NRL and for the clubs to sell more merchandise. That's all it is. We had the controversies over Jerseygate with the West Tigers where they published American Soldiers and then apologised after trying to cover it up and lying and then realised actually, yeah, I've been cornered, I'm done. Then they changed it, changed the design to actually Australian forces. Um, That kind of started... started what kind of went on and what followed it's just i just don't like it the selling jump the selling jerseys shirts whatever you want to call them at 160 dollars a piece to raise money but we all know that only a small percentage of profits goes to the charities that they represent the rest of it goes towards the club so that's a load of bollocks um that's simple that is that that is what it is it's like the fact that they do the last post at every game is a bit mad i don't like that either it's quite a powerful bit of music um and the fact that the fact that they this year anzac day fell on a tuesday and they delayed games by two days to play them on a Tuesday and then claim tradition it's not tradition they've only done that consistently since 2002 before that I think it was 98 no 2000 and 2000 yeah 99 to 2000 and then I think they had a couple in the mid 90s but then before that they never did it's only been recently in the recent modern era that they've done this sort of thing um, I don't like it what's wrong with just doing your normal top your normal shirt that you play in and sticking a poppy on what's wrong with a simple minute silence before the game without the last post being played take it out of like the Premier League with Remembrance Sunday and obviously all the Football League and how they sort of deal with it over here rather than making this big Martin campaign and big shot song and dance over it it's there's no respect there um people may disagree with me but that's just my opinion the fact that it's just the fact they delayed them games just you don't need rugby league to be played on Anzac Day you don't need it to be played on Anzac Day why don't you keep Anzac Day as what it is a celebration a remembering day to remember those forces that died to remember those forces that are still out there fighting to remember loved ones and generations that have gone to war and never come back or come back with life changing injuries why don't we just keep that as what it is and and make that the forefront of the day rather than making it like a, a, a rugby league day over there I just don't get it I don't get why they do it just what is wrong with a simple top and a poppy what is wrong with just a minute silence what is wrong with if you are going to do it a last post it should only be on Anzac Day only on Anzac Day not before you've got 8 last posts being played that's a lot 
that's a lot to be played and it's a moving bit of music it's a powerful bit powerful bit of music and and i just don't like it i just don't like it i don't like the i don't like the fact that there's they then have these special jumpers jerseys tops whatever you want to call it i'm trying to appease too many listeners i've got my aussie listeners and my english listeners it's not great so you've got all the the special jerseys and yet there's loads of sponsorships on them if you're going to do a special jersey donate all the profits to charity and get rid of all the sponsorship for one game and one game only and notify your main sponsors that that round is not about them it's not about the club it's about remembering you know so anyway i hope i haven't offended anyone there you know but i just think war shouldn't be profited on by sporting teams you know i don't think war should be profited on at all but you know war is a money-making scheme i just don't think sports teams should be jumping on that to profiteer from it i think they should be remembering it i think it should be a day of remembrance and celebration for the people of australia and new zealand and yeah you know some of you may well be listening to this going what's an english person telling us what we can and can't do we can we can do that we can do what we say i'm just here offering my opinion that's all i'll ever do um but just remember that you know it wasn't just anzac forces that died at gallipoli it was also the english and I think everyone has a right to have an opinion when it comes to war, regardless of who's celebrating what as well. Um, and this isn't a go at any of the Aussie people. I just don't like, I just don't like using Anzac Day as a marketing ploy. I think it's damn right disgusting. I mean, you wouldn't see in the supermarkets you know it's remembrance sunday come get your special buys on cakes on you know big celebration balloons you know what with a with an army soldier on it you know you wouldn't see special t-shirts going out that says by the way only five percent goes to charity and yeah i just don't know just to me it seems weird it seems strange but that's that and that's why it's in my ugly column just remember those who we've lost you know anyway on that somber note (laughs) i'm gonna end this podcast here but I will have another podcast on next week. I'm going to actually talk about more next week, I think, about the the marketing side and the more we can do um, as as a rugby league competition. Um, obviously, I have no influence over the RFL or, and how they use this, but I will be giving out some certain tips that I think might be useful. Nor do I work in marketing. So all of this will be from the brains of someone who has never done marketing before 
and I bet you any money I come up with better ideas than the NFL have, ever have. So there you go. I'm also going to tell little tales of why I think they should do it and how they should sort of um, develop us as a sport and really pinpoint what we can target. So yeah, it should be a fun little podcast I'm going to record uh, either later this week or early next week. And yeah, so I hope you're enjoying these podcasts. Please feel free to message me or at me on at Rambling Saint 7 or at John Lou 13. Um, I've had lots of messages from some of my listeners, so it's good. It's good that I'm getting a good core fan base, you know, uh, as Bobby from the Loose Forward podcast would say, my own little fan club. So it's been great to listen to hear about you and I'm also going to do well I've got a fundraiser out at the minute that I'm going to plug it's £5 a go or 3 for t- a tenner um, I've got 15 teams left on a rugby card to win a Sean Long signed photo um, it is you know it cost me £250 at a charity auction for MND so not only am I making a loss on it you know, all profit, all profits. Majority of the money will be going to MND um, association to Ian Cummings's um, fundraiser that he's doing for the 24-hour golf buggy challenge. So feel free to check that out. And yeah, um, I've been your host Johnny Lou, and this has been the Ramblings of a Saint podcast. I hope to hear. Well, I hope to speak to you soon and I hope you hear it soon. Thank you very much and good night.